Welcome to the Become Who You Are podcast, a production of the John Paul II Renewal Center. I'm Jack Rigert, your host, and I'm glad you're with me. You know, this is the reading for Tuesday night, the Smithville for Sunday, August 28th. Can you believe it? We're almost done with uh, summer months. Of course, fall, uh, September, and, and the beginning of fall is just a beautiful, beautiful month in the Chicagoland area. So I hope wherever you are, it's the same. Hey, listen, I got to apologize again. It seems like I've been apologizing a lot. I usually try to get Tuesday night at the Smith home, this meditation out by Monday afternoon, but I had a flight canceled coming out of Colorado yesterday. And um, by the time I got a fl- another flight and got on it and got into Chicago, it was well after midnight. And and so anyways, I'm just getting to this now. So sorry about it. But the the readings are rich. I, you know, I'm calling this creating hell on earth. You know, throughout history, it's been pretty easy for Satan to influence men who have forgotten about God. He fills them with pride, which is fairly easy to do when you throw God out. And and what do we do? We just create chaos in the world. It's amazing what happens. And so this, the readings are going to be talking about humility. In fact, the first reading from the book of Sirach, I'll just read you the opening statement, says, my child, conduct your affairs with humility. My child, conduct your affairs with humility. You know, what makes human beings so full of pride? You know, we're the size of a point of needle in relation to the universe. In relation to history, we're, we're like one person is, it seems to be nothing. But it always amazes me how full of pride we can become. And not only the so-called rich and, and, the, and the powerful, such as the, 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 the Joe Bidens of the world, the Klaus Schwabs of the world, the Bill Gates, the George Soros of the world, who are so filled with themselves and filled with pride, they can be like gods. But also, how about the neighbor showing off his new car? Or how, how about telling you how great his kid is in soccer and this and this and that? And, you know, there's some of that's okay, let's face it. If I get a new car and a neighbor says, hey, did you get a new car? I tell them a little bit about it. But you know when you're, you know what I mean when you're so full of pride and all I do is talk about myself and, my, and, and how great my kids are. My kids are great, but you know what? The neighbor's got great kids too. So, you know, a little humility goes a long way. So while I, I, uh, I'm writing this episode, I plan to be home, but with my flight canceled, it's par for the course nowadays. Nowadays, but 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 I sat in the airport and I remembered many years ago when I left home. I was just a young guy. The day I, I got out of high school, I had this idea in me, just something from the heart that pushed out that says, "Look, I got to figure out what this life is all about." And I and I had my car and my backpack and my bicycle all ready to go. And I boom. I took off, and I, I, I took off for West. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about that story and how it comes into humility, and, and hopefully it resonates with all of us and, and some, uh, some points from John Paul II. I, ho- I hope you enjoy it. So buckle up, grab a coffee, grab a glass of wine, and get ready for today's episode. So glad you're with me. Thanks again. As I was saying, uh, I was thinking about while I was writing this up, sitting in the airport, I had some time to kill, and you, I had time for my mind just to wander a little bit. And and I, I remember this day that I've, I've told this story a, a couple different times, so I'm going to just give you a cliff note. There was a day I was backpacking, loved the backpack, uh, moving up along a mountain, a pretty arduous climb, and I remember seeing a lone tree at the top 
uh, and it looked like the ridge, like the, I was coming to the top, and I thought, you know, I'm just going to make it up to that tree and uh, rest up there for a while and make it back down. When I got up there, the, the it was just this vast beauty, this awe and wonder of nature when you're up in the mountains, and it's just this raw power of beauty. And uh, I took my backpack off, put my back along the tree, and just took a deep breath there. And uh, and it, the thought came to me, and it's just so beautiful and so important. I I think about this a lot. I thought at that moment, you know, this this vast awe and wonder I'm looking at that I didn't create this universe. I was not the author of this larger story. No, I came into a story, and here I was both conscious of the world around me and consciously present of myself, a human person sitting with his back on a tree, looking out at all of this. I was humbled by this vast space and by the creativity of the author. Different from the rest of creation, I was. And I was looking down, and I saw some elk, and I was even different than the other animal bodies in the world. No other creatures, I looked around, you know, is conscious of the world or of themselves in the world. Sitting there, you know, a point of a needle in this vastness, yet I sensed that I mattered. But why? Mattered to who? I sensed that in some way, you know, I was being drawn, drawn to this, into this bigger story, the search for the, the truth of both who I was and for, for purpose and meaning to my life. Why was I put into the story? Again, inspired by the awe and wonder around me, energized by the thought that I had been put in touch with that narrow road, that somehow I was touching on the edge of finding the true, the good, and the beautiful that I was seeking in touch even with this ache, you know, as I sat there on the uh, on that tree and, and looked at this beauty, I had this ache, you know, I was new in town and the city didn't really know people. And I had this idea that, you know, that there was a, this, this woman sitting in front of me that I had met and we had we started to date, and, and, and here I was just imagining this. I had my arms around her. She was leaning back into me, and we were sharing this experience. And I ached for that, you know, to share that with another person, that special person that knew me, and then I knew her. huh? And, and so, again, as I sat there, I made this conscious effort to go in search of all this. This is who we are. Human beings, we get in touch with our heart, and they were moved to go out this is what a human being does. We act in the world. We're moral agents in the world. And you have to be humble to be able to accept it because we, we are filled with, with divine love and divine life. And then we become those persons of life and love in the round and around us. And at the same time, as we're filled with divine life and love, we start to understand who we are, who God is, all this plan put together, and why my heart felt this ache for another person, because God is an eternal exchange of love, an eternal exchange of persons, and he created us for that. But my heart propelled me as I thought about this trip that I was on to that something more. And we all have this in us. You know, every single human being in touch with their heart understands that we seek the truth, and something even more than the truth, we seek love. And I knew at that moment that I existed and I was being invited to find the truth. There was a power there. I left home to be free from constraints of other people's opinions and ideas of what I should be or do. I wasn't ready. I had to find out what life was all about. Not just to be free, but f- because freedom, as John Paul he says, is always for something. See, freedom just without knowing why can be just licensed to use other people and take, 
But freedom is always for what's true, good, and beautiful. It's for something. It, you know, the human act, the actor that we are in the world, that, that, that a human being acts on things in the world. You know, you could be creating things. You could be looking for things. You're sensing things. But at the end of the day, I must have an end in mind, something that I'm, see- I'm seeking or searching or something that I'm making or doing. I left home to be free not just for freedom's sake, but the human act must have an end. And here was the end for me. It was to seek the author of the story that I found myself in and to find out what that author, that creator, had in mind for me. John Paul II wrote that the human actor, right, this human act that we come into the world, you know, if it's not intentionally focused, if we don't have an end in mind, it falls short of being a truly human act that we have to understand the model and that we're searching and we're connected to an eternal love story. And then we, we're, John Paul uses this technical term, efficient causality, which is this efficient causality that, that I am the agent that makes things change in the world. I can make things, you know, I could bring evil uh, or, or destruction in the world, or I can bring love and I can create good things in the world. This is up to us to act. And so we know this inside in our subjectivity that we're a person and that we're a person that looks out and we're called to do something in the world, good things in the world. That act that, 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 we, uh, that we seek to do, it arises within the human consciousness. You know, we're conscious, conscious of an experience or a need or a desire within us in response to something in which the person, ourselves, the subject, our heart, envisions a plan to, then to meet that end. Look, I'm just going to give you a simple example. I feel hungry and I want something to eat then. So I'm feeling this inside. I have this desire to eat. I want something to eat. If I'm cooking something then, Say the you know the herbs and the smell and the butter, all those types of things. You know these are all wonderful things. Maybe an omelet is what you're seeking when you're cooking something. We have to have an end in mind. So how to find it? How to find what we're searching for from an end? Humility. Humility is a good place to start. For there was something else I was aware of. The universe, with all its goodness and beauty, its awe and wonder, has another side. It's a dangerous place. And it also has the poor in it, the handicapped, the uneducated that are exploited by others. Psalm 68 from this Sunday begins this, God, in your goodness, you have made a home for the poor. God watches over them. And one way he does that is he sends us to share our gifts with them. But if we're not cognizant of that, that we're actors again in the world, that we feel, we see the poor, and then we, we have this desire then to do something about it, and we need to do that. If I have a desire to cook an omelet, I, I go about getting the ingredients together, and it becomes this process. If I have a desire to seek the truth and love, then I go out in the world and I seek those things. If I want to help the poor, I should help the poor in some way. It's good for us to do these things. God watches over them and he uses us. And he's given us gifts to be stewards, not to be hoarded. He's given us gifts not to be shown off in pride, but to be shared. You know, Jesus spoke of this often and warned us not to build up treasures in this world, for these will all fade away. The true treasure is love. To find your life, you must give it away, John Paul would say. It's a paradox Jesus often spoke of. It's really just the two great commandments, right? To love God, be filled with divine life and love, and then to become the acting person who finds his life by giving away. This is love. 
to be concerned about other people, not for what you're going to get from them, but to be concerned as God does for them, that he wants to save them, and he wants to save them for all eternity. But he wants to help him here too. This is the meaning and purpose that we find when we seek the truth, that we are persons of love, created in love, by love, and for love. This revelation did not come to me all at once on that day with my back on the tree. In fact, through my study of nature and beauty, and and I became a novice student of philosophy, and I always loved to, I was a people watcher, I loved human nature, and I realized that while all of creation, you look out at the stars and the trees and the beauty, it's, it's it's a sacramental sign, a small s, revealing something of the creator, of the author of the story. And that while some men, so these philosophers that I was reading, uh, different people that I would listen to, sometimes they, they, they seem to obtain and seem to know partial truths, but they never fully satisfied me. And then the greatest discovery of my life, or, or I should say rediscovery in my, early, or, or in my late teens, that Jesus Christ was truly the way, the truth, and the life. Only when I read him, only when I tried to live out what he said, did I ever find any type of fullness. I did it very poorly in the very very beginning. I still do it poorly many times in my life. You know, it's a story, a journey that we've come into, but we're yoked to Jesus Christ, and he will show us the way. Jesus truly revealed man to man himself and makes his vocation known, and man meaning men and women. So Jesus Christ reveals us to ourselves When we are yoked to Jesus, we start to find out who we are and what type of acts we should make in the world. We're conscious of of being called to do something in the world, and it's to love. Christ who said to John uh, the Baptist's disciples, when they were, John was baptizing at the Jordan, and he saw Jesus and he cried out, he said, "The, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and and John's two of John's disciples, uh, Andrew and John the Evangelist, start to follow Jesus. And Jesus turned to them and he said this, what do you seek? What do you seek? See, we all seek. The human heart is made for this. Rabbi, they said to him, where are you staying? And Jesus said, come and see. This is, this is what Jesus says to us. Come and see. Just come, follow me, and you will see. It's interesting. I had a an Uber rider give me a, uh, maybe he'll listen to this because he said he was going to listen to some podcast, an Uber driver. And we start to talk about this. And that's what we start to talk about. You know, Jesus wants to show us a way. He just says, come and see. That's all you have to do. You walk into the store, you open your heart to him and he will begin to walk with you. Ask him to come into your heart and then to go out into the world and become a person of love. You don't have to know everything. Over time, you'll learn more and more. You know, the gospel antonym for this Sunday coming up is Jesus says this, take my yoke upon you, says the Lord, and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart. Here's the God of the universe who, is, who calls himself meek and humble of heart. To be yoked to Jesus, you know, what does that mean? Like two oxen are yoked together, you know, with that, with, with that harness on, and together they work side by side pulling the plow. Jesus wants to come and be yoked to us. You know, part of that, if I expand it out just a little bit, comes from Matthew chapter 11, say verses 28 to 30. And he said this, and he says this to all of us, come to me, all of you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. How many anxious people in the world, huh? nervous, anxious people should listen to that? 
Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am, I am meek and humble of heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy and my burden light. The God of the universe, the author of the story, not only seeks to reveal the story to you, he seeks you. He seeks me. He has written us into this story, brought us into this story, so that we could be yoked to him and learn from him. We need a humble heart, and then we will find rest for ourselves. For he says, my yoke is easy and my burden light. You know, let's read the gospel for Sunday. This is from Luke chapter 14, verse 1, and then verses 7 through 14. And while I'm reading, note again that Jesus uses a parable, tells a story like he, all, like, like, like he often does, and the setting like it, he often does too, is a wedding banquet. This is why Jesus came, to lead us to himself, for he is the truth. Truth is not a something. Truth is a somebody. His name is Jesus Christ. If you want to know what to do and how to live, yoke yourself and allow Jesus Christ to fill your heart. And he will lead us to the Father who is love, and you will find the love that you're looking for. And the core of the story is that you and I are invited to this eternal wedding banquet. Keep in mind that we're acting persons again, that as you, be, as you come to know the person of Jesus Christ, you become to know yourself, and you know how to go out and act in the world. Once you're filled with divine life and love, you go out and bring this divine life and love to others in the truth of Jesus Christ. You scatter God's holiness and goodness in the world. Let's listen to Jesus. On a Sabbath, Jesus went to dine at the home of one of the leading Pharisees, and the people there were observing him very carefully. He told the parable to those who had been invited, noticing how they were choosing the places of honor at the table. When you are invited, he said, by someone to a wedding banquet, do not recline at a table in the place of honor. A more distinguished guest than you may have been invited by him, and the host who invited both of you may approach you and say, give your place to this man, and then you would proceed with embarrassment to take the lowliest place. Rather, when you are invited, go and take the lowest place, so that when the host comes to you, he may say, my friend, move up to a higher position. Then you will enjoy the esteem of your companions at the table. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Then he said to the host who had invited him, When you hold a lunch or dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your wealthy neighbors, in case they may invite you back and you have repayment. Rather, when you hold a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, Blessed indeed will you be because of their inability to repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. He's speaking to all of us. So tell your children at the Tuesday night at the Smith home that you came into the story. We didn't create the story. Our job is like like Sherlock Holmes, like an investigator that, that's, that's trying to say, what type of story did we come into? And what role will we play and humble ourselves? We could use a big dose of humility. All of us were taking all these selfies and, and trying to see how many likes we can get. I mean, we're so full of pride. Humble yourself and listen to Jesus say, come and see. Go to Jesus, listen to him, yoke yourself to him, and find the life that I once set off to find as a teen and have been learning more every day ever since. 
you know, St. Bruno of, of Segni, he was, uh, he was an Italian bishop and a Benedictine monk. monk. He wrote this in 1100s, and he could have written this yesterday. He said, we're invited to a wedding feast, and the Lord looked around and noticed how all were choosing the first and most honorable places, each person wanting to take precedence over the others and to be raised above them. Isn't this, isn't this the, the, the way we are, huh? This wedding feast, uh, St. Bruno says, takes place in the church every day. Every day the Lord makes a wedding feast, and he's talking about the Eucharist, the Mass and the Eucharist. And where is this place, huh? It's done on the altar, and then we look up at the, at, the, at the bridegroom, and where is he? He's on a cross, meek and humble. This is my body. This is my blood given for you. And every day, St. Bruno says, he, he unites faithful souls to himself, some coming to be baptized, other leaving this world for the kingdom of heaven. Think about that, the young coming to be baptized, the older ones getting ready to sail away, and we have funerals there, huh? And all our lives happen in just a blink of an eye. And St. Bruno says, we're all invited to this wedding feast, all of us who have received Christ in faith, the seal of baptism. Here we unite to the Lamb, Jesus, who takes away the sins of the world. He's the living bread come down from heaven. Here placed before us is the chalice of the new covenant. Here we find the Gospels. Now listen to this. He's talking about the Mass with the new covenant. Jesus comes in to restore this new covenant. You know, the old covenant is not taken away, but it's fulfilled in Jesus Christ where he brings us into union and, and, and communion like a wedding, asking you and I like the bride where he's the bridegroom groom, to come into union and communion and intimacy with God himself. And St. Bruno says, here we find the Gospels. We find the letters of the Apostles. Here we find the books of Moses and the prophets. It is as though a dish containing every delight was brought and set before us. What more can we desire? What reason is there for choosing the first seats? For there's plenty to go around, no matter where we sit. There's nothing we shall lack. But whoever, he says, you may be who still desire the first place here, go and sit in the last place. Do not be lifted up by pride, inflated by knowledge, elated by nobility, but the greater you are, the more you must humble yourself in every way, and you will find grace with God. In his own time, he will say to you, friend, go up higher, and then you will be honored by all who sit at table with you. In the church, then, the first seat or the highest place is to be sought not by ambition, but by humility, not by money, but by holiness. What else would I tell the kids on Tuesday night at the Smith home? That they matter, that they are loved, and they're invited to yoke themselves to the author of the love story who knows them and wants to be intimately in union and communion with them. That God made each of us for eternal union with him and with one another. Therefore, Jesus came into the story to go in search of his lost bride, you and I and all the children. This isn't about some put on false joy and happiness in Jesus Christ. It's about being present. This is so powerful, right? It's about being present to whatever may be coming our way. And during both the, the knowing of Jesus and being conscious of the world and conscious that you have a place in it. So I look out at the world again with my back to the tree and I'm conscious of this world, good and evil in the world. 
I'm conscious of this human being in it, looking out, and then I yoke myself to Jesus. So I know the beauty, the goodness of creation that flows from the goodness of the Creator Himself. And we know that there's grief and hardships that we must all face in this fallen world. Yet we know joy. Because in the, I, I love to say in the midst of chaos, we find a good life. Because it reminds me of St. Paul and the apostles singing hymns even when they were in prison or about to be martyred. About believing that sorrows and the losses of our lives do not have the final word. I would tell the kids that John Paul would often say to the young people when he was speaking to them, young people, you know that your life has meaning to the extent that it's given away as a sincere gift of self to others. Young people, you know your life has meaning to the extent that it's given away as a sincere gift to others. You know, this life will require small acts of kindness to others each day. And that comes from your own strength of spirit that also must be nurtured in prayer and the sacraments. And then you too go out to my vineyard for God seeks all of us to be his hands and his feet. We have to be humble enough to realize this, that he's chosen us for himself and invites us to go out and invite everyone else that we meet to the wedding banquet. This means engaging and living our lives fully infused with the gospel and by aiming our heavenly desires at heaven where we are filled. Eternity does not mean tomorrow. Eternity means forever. Each of us are already eternal beings. Finally, denying the truth of Jesus is denying reality, and that means not discovering the authentic love that we all seek in our lives. And we miss the very meaning and purpose of our creation as sons and daughters of God. By denying Jesus, we deny the truth of reality. Some think, of course, in this world that by suppressing the truth of God, by forgetting him, they're going to be free from his commandments and they can live any way they want. But in reality, by this action, you will actually be enslaved to sin, not free to love and to be loved in the truth, but you will turn and do the opposite. You'll begin to use other people. So full of pride, huh? Simple plan. Love God and love neighbor, the two great commandments. Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy and my burden light. In denying the truth of Jesus Christ, human beings today deny reality and they live in illusion. And it's not the answer. The answer is being fully present to the truth to the gospel, that's the answer. Being fully present to Jesus and the world around you by being an acting person, being filled with divine life and love, and then bringing love, goodness, and holiness in the world. That's what it means to be fully alive. Thanks for joining me today. Great to be with you. Don't forget to subscribe to the station. Write a review if you get a couple of minutes. Uh, Also, don't forget to financially support us if you can. Thanks, everyone. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.